Well, what is up, Make Community? It is Trevor DeVage, another episode where we go from Sunday taking to everyday making. And I'm excited today. I've got a whole bunch of new people in the room with me for the podcast. Like, well, not new to me, but new to some of y'all. Um, first of all, Roger, you shouldn't be new to anybody on, on our staff or in our church, especially on our staff. If you're new to anybody on our staff, that means they haven't been hired yet. Um, That'd be true. But Roger Blumenthal, our executive pastor. Um, and then you've, you've got a guest that you've connected me with. Absolutely. And so why don't you, why don't you introduce our listeners to, because you've got history here. Um, so why don't you introduce them to who else is on the show with us today? Well, that's my good friend, Darren Key, who's the CEO of CFR, Christian Financial Resources. And we met uh, years ago at Aspire Conference when I was looking for good financing for the church. Wow. That started a long... That's the most executive pastor I've ever heard you say right there. Like, That's right. I met him at a conference trying to figure out money. I think the next day I brought you your uh, MPA, so that was great for your loan documents. Yep. Dude, that's moving quick. That was quick. It was it was very quick. I was we like, were, we want to partner with Pentano. That's a great church. So yeah. you were uh, their first loan in Arizona and it's taken off right. So yes. how many how many years ago was that? Well, Spire is only four years old, so yeah. it could so, have been much more than that. Yeah, four years. Fir- yeah, four first years. One. That's right. And now you're you're on the board for CFR as well, aren't you? Yep. Uh, that's my punishment for getting such a good rate on our loan. Darren hey, said, hey, you bent me over backwards, so uh, hey, if you, you got to be on If there. you need him for more time and get a better rate, I'm, I mean, I will send him as many times as you need him. <laughs> there you I go. Mean, well, he likes coming to Orlando. He got Disney World. So I mean, 0%. I, I'll give him to you half the year uh, for 0%. Uh, you know, you can work remote. I'll let you work Absolutely. remote. I mean, I, I, I'll hire you back. Don't worry about it. You're fine. I'll keep paying you, too. Um, <laughs> especially with that 0%, I zero can afford it. Pay you like can afford it. I can right. afford it. Um, so I want to lean in first with the message yesterday because Roger, you preached yesterday and your topic was help. I, I worry about money. Yep. Um, so get for those of our listeners that didn't hear the message yesterday, first of all, shame on you. You should be listening. Um, but if for some reason you couldn't, uh, go back and listen, but why don't you give us kind of the cliff notes of the message yesterday and then a couple, maybe a couple of things of, man, I didn't get a chance to unpack this, but I want to dig in deeper. Yeah, I was uh, a few weeks ago sp- uh, spending time with some couples, married couples, and uh, as we were talking, I realized money was in the middle of all their relationships, and it was an idol that they all worship. All four of them uh, were worshiping money individually, which was taking an impact on their marriages, and so that kind of helped shape the message as we started talking about worry, is that we begin to put emotional energy into a tool. Because money is nothing more than a tool. It's not a relationship. It gives nothing back. It, it is a tool meant to accomplish the things the king wants us to accomplish. At clarity. People have called me a tool, but it's a completely different phrase. That's a different conversation. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So the idea of, I used a hammer as an illustration as a tool. We look at money and assign emotional value, as silly as it is, as like we would a hiring a hammer instead of a carpenter. Which, by the way, I think is a brilliant illustration. Like, I, after you did it in run-through a week ago, I was like, that is so good. Like, I, I don't go out when I'm looking for somebody to work at my house. Like, Stephen Job was on stage. He's a plumber. I'm not yeah. like... Hey, do you have a pipe I could can hire? I, can I hire your pipe wrench? Can I hire your pipe wrench? <laughs> uh, that's so absurd, right? I need the yep. plumber to do something with the wrench. The wrench is just the tool that he uses. And I, I think that's, like, I want to camp on that for a minute because I think we spend a lot of time letting the tool, it's kind of like letting the tail wag the dog. Like we, we let the tool kind of kind of work us instead of us working this tool. Um, and, and because we've got a financial expert sitting in the room as well, 
Um, before you go further on that, like uh, you were in the room yesterday and you were on our stage yesterday. Uh, but that illustration, like how does that play out when you're helping people financially? Yeah. Cause one of the keys is people need to be thinking about their goals. What is it they're trying to accomplish? Because you're right. It's, there's so many different ways you can use the tool of money and it all depends. Some people want to be generous. Some people are trying to get security, but if you focus purely on the money, then that's, that's not really that you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. So that was a great illustration, I thought, Roger. Yeah. So it, you go down this whole road with that. Now, I know like like you probably, like I have cutting room floor material that I really want to say, but I don't have enough time on that clock on Sunday to get it out there. So what is the deeper dive that you would want to take people on beyond that? Ooh, the deeper dive. Uh, you know, you're right. There's a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor because... Um, and I needed, I cut stuff out on Sunday because I was running out of time. And yeah, I heard over. about it backstage and, at 1230 and, from and Robin. Over. Yeah, 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 she kept Here going. He is going longer. He goes again. longer every service. He's taking my time away. And I'm like, it's not your time. It's it's just a tool. The time is just a tool. Yeah, I think I would have camped more on uh, Psalm 50. And, and just as God, and really unpack the nature of God. As God said, if I was hungry in verse 12, um, I wouldn't tell you. And just uh, unpack that a little bit, but that the depth of that just goes on and on in our perspective and our relationship with God, who we are and who he is. And if God has no desire, no need to tell me about how he's feeling and what he needs because he knows that I can't meet his needs, um, it helps me understand and put into perspective better yeah. um, of who he is and who I am. Yeah. Um, well, from an identity perspective, I, I th- you probably see this all the time, like people... People don't find their identity in who God says they are. They're finding it in this financial piece. That is completely correct. Um, so w- walk us through that identity piece. Like, what are some of the pitfalls you see? And then how are you helping people find a new identity? Well, I tell you, we've seen so many bubbles uh, over the years. I've been doing this for 26 years. You know, we had uh, the the tech bubble in 2000. We had 9-11. We had the Great Recession. You know, we had the pandemic. It's interesting. I talk to a lot of business owners and they'll have great success and then some bubble comes along and their whole world gets rocked. And so if your identity is just what you said, Trevor, it's it's tied into what my net worth is and how my business is going. And then you go through a bubble like that and some of these industries get completely decimated. Others thrive. And so that becomes a real tricky thing. That's why we do need to realize that no, our identity is in who God says we is just like what Roger said. Yeah. Well, and here's what I know about bubbles. They always burst. That's right. I mean, it goes back to tulip mania. If you've ever studied that Uh, as a finance guy, you know, we studied that and, uh, you know, tulip bulbs got to crazy valuations back in Holland in the 1600s. And, uh, but we just see it continually to cycle through all the time. Well, I remember, uh, I'm sure you guys do too, the 08 crash. Um, I'm sure you were in the thrust of that with finance and I know as a church and yeah, we went through it, I was in Dallas at the time with Drew and I, honestly, we didn't have to lay off anybody. We just put a spending freeze on because it's Dallas and there's a lot of money in Dallas. Even when there's a crash, there's a lot of money That's in Dallas. Right. But I remember my dad was still in business at the time. My dad had a property appraisal business. And when the 08 crash happened out of 32 property appraisal businesses, my dad was the only one left standing. And it was because he wasn't spending above what they brought in. He was putting away. Exactly. And so my dad selling his business, well, I, yes, it was on his terms. But, I mean, he got cancer, so he expedited the process by like six months. But in essence, it was on my dad's terms to sell the business, to get rid of the business, to shut the doors of the business, whatever he was going to do with it. 
because he wasn't live, his identity wasn't the dollar amount he was bringing in. I watched all of his friends, his builder friends, his like all these people mm-hmm. lose their like lose everything mm-hmm. in literally in one day. And um, you, you know, we had a we had a friend in Dallas who he lost forty million dollars in one day. And in my head, I'm like, you lost forty million dollars in one day. And a man went from having multiple houses like Malibu and and on the coast to uh, nothing. And, wow. And and you know he's kind of rebuilt life and because smart business guys right they have talents once there's a bubble that pops it's like opportunity well, something got me here that's it, right you know and so but not everybody functions that way correct some people get there by, by sure happenstance some by by name some by reputation um, inheritance you know and I think that side man when that pops they don't know how to get there that's right they don't know how to get back there. Um, so, Roger, something you said yesterday too. I think it was your statement, like you, like you have value. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hear value, and we put monetary terms on that. You know, if I say, "Man, you have value," somebody may go, "Well, how much am I worth?" Yeah. Um, and you may be worth, oh, you're worth ten bucks, or you're worth a thousand bucks, or you're worth a million bucks, or um, it, when you say you have value to God, what what is the value when you say that? What is what is God putting that value as when you tell? Because I, I know there's people sitting out there going, all right, so what? I value to God. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Why does that matter, and what is that value? Yeah, that value is in the relationship. And Psalm, back to Psalm 50, as God is talking to his people, and he goes, these are the things, none of these things matter. I don't need anything that you have for me. But if you do these things, if you give things, if you follow up with your vows, then when you need help, call and I will rescue you. Yeah. And I think part of our value is God wants to be in our daily lives. He wants to walk with us to help us accomplish the things of the kingdom. The problem is we want him to help us, him to be our genie, to say, I want you to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And he's like, that's not your value. Yeah. Your value to me is being part of me. And we miss that. We make our own identity up. Oh, all the time. Well, and not only do we make it up, but we, we attach all the worldly things to it. You know, so I, I love when people are like, so, so tell me about you. And then, then our next statement is, so what do you do? That's right. I'm like, uh, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I get to do this. Yes. But I'm, my, my identity is not lead pastor at Pantano. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. It's that's fun. Right. But one day you're not going to be the lead pastor. But one Pantano. day I will not be the lead pastor. Hopefully there'll be many days. I, I, yes. I hope you haven't heard anything of me. <laughs> like, don't be, don't be doing that to me in here. And what are you doing <laughs> to me, man? Um, but I mean, reality is, is that's hard. I know guys in my position all over the country that are getting to retirement age, and uh, that's a struggle. I just met with a former board member, and he just retired from the real estate business. And he said, Darren, it's so hard because all my relationships, my network, my whole schedule of my week was all tied to that. And he's really struggling with it. And he's a very yeah. talented man, but he, you know, he, that was his life. That was his identity. Yeah. And he's really struggling with it. Yeah. I th- and I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to learn from watching this with a, like even Glenn, my predecessor, and Glenn has done a fantastic job of this was not his identity um, as he's leaning into things that he was really passionate. I think he's a, I really think he's a poster child for how do I move through this well. Um, but I'm watching like guys that I love and care and deeply respect around the country that they're lost right now. That's right. And because this, what, what I do, what they do is it. And like, I, and Roger knows this, like most of my dealings here in our area, I don't hang out with a lot of, I mean, I hang out with pastors in our city and pastors around the country, 
but I don't do that nearly as much as I hang out with guys that are part of our city that don't do what I do. So I play golf with guys that are business guys that are, you know, just average, average dude that doesn't work in the church or not even Christians. And I'm like, as long as people become what I invest in, it doesn't matter what my title is. It doesn't even matter what my worth is um, financially. Um, now to play golf, it, I need a little bit of worth cause it's not cheap to play golf, but, um, you know, sometimes people just gift their pastor, the ability to go play golf. Thank you. Yes, all of you. Yes, and if, uh, thing. instead of coffee time, I'm going to have tea time. Um, there we go. I like that. And it's T E E not T E A. Yeah. And, um, if you'd like to just let us play golf, uh, we'll take that. I'm, I'm not going to pass that up. I'm just saying, um, uh, it is what it is. Roger. I, yeah. You can send those to our Blumenthal. Yeah. Just send them all. He'll set up the tea time. <laughs> um, it, we're a package deal. Um, it comes, it comes to two for one. So, um, and for you might be two for four, whatever you need, just let us know. Uh, but again, I think for me, the identity piece, I'm trying to not let my identity be what I do, even what I make, but who I invest in. And, and I, it's hard. Yeah. I think calling is the thing people need to focus on instead of the identity as far as that goes, because you have a calling with the gifts that right. God's given you, right? but that's different from your identity being wrapped up in this position that you're serving in. Well, right and now. we were even talking about that before we went live today for a little bit. Like I, I came to a place a couple of years ago where I had to sit literally in my living room and go, do I really buy what I've been selling for the last 20 plus years? And it was like, and I had opportunities to go do something else. I could have gone into business. I could have gone into marketing. I could have gone into just traveling and speaking. And I, when I tell you, God would not let me go of the calling um, and I was like, there's part of me like, I don't want to work in a church anymore. These people suck. Like, that's where I was at, right? Like, right. It, you have this moment where you're like, I don't know if I want to take this abuse for another 30 years. See, I love that because you went back to the calling and you you really did believe in what you were you were selling. Right. And, and I, it's always tough for me when we see someone that doesn't. Right. Because it's like they were trying to motivate, inspire all these people to do that. But yeah. you, that's why I really appreciate you about Trevor is that you really did show that you're you're called by God uh, to do what you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, uh, you know, I, I feel like at 45 and 25 years in ministry, I should at least have a little bit of a grasp like I know what I'm doing. And I'm like... Like crap, I don't know anymore now than I did 25 years. In fact, I think I'm dumber now than I was 25 years ago, um, or at least I'm willing to admit it now. Uh, maybe there's there that. you go. That's the key. <laughs> yeah, it was a lesson I, I've had to learn through some of these bubbles and stuff. You know, I realized my calling is I want to fund ministry and change lives. Right. Well, there's lots of different ways you can do that. Right. And that's that's my focus instead of focusing solely on being CEO of a yeah. ministry. So y- yesterday was a good springboard, and this series is a good springboard for what you do. Um, so talk to me a little bit about CFR. Like I, I know that like CFR, we, our loan here at the church that we have for a lot of the wonderful things we're able to do. Um, actually it's the debt we're trying to pay off through this series. Um, like I know you guys do that, but what, like for the average person in our church or the average person listening to this, are there services you offer for just Joe yeah. Blow that comes in and wants to talk to you? Yeah. So, you know, we're located in Orlando, Florida, home of Disney's magic kingdom, we don't have a magic money tree at our ministry that we're able to pluck the dollars off of to be able to fund all these If you loans. go to Adventureland or the like Animal Kingdom, they, there, they there's have a, a big, magic money tree. There's a magic tree over but there. But we don't get to pluck the dollars because there's a lot of dollars on that I tree. I found it ironic when we went to Disney with our girls, like that tree was under construction. And I was like, so let me get this straight. I spent a lot of money for you to make that tree better. And I don't even get to experience the better tree. Like that's I, right. I, <laughs> it is an impressive tree. I'll tell yeah, you for sure. But, but so, yeah, so the way we're able to help all these churches like Pantano is families and businesses. We believe every one of them ought to have an emergency fund rather than parking at a secular institution, you know, park it with us and a ready access or a certificate. They get to earn some interest. They're helping to fund hundreds of churches across the country like Pantano. We just 
funded our 970th church. That's awesome. Typical weekend, over 400,000 people attend those churches. I mean, that's so much life change. It's amazing. The other thing we find is we've got a lot of families in our churches that have retirement accounts that are sitting at secular institutions and they're riding the roller coaster of the stock market or they're not doing anything at all. They'll slide over a piece of that into an IRA certificate at CFR, get a fixed rate of return. They get to know their funding ministry and changing lives. But then the third way I'm really excited about, because I'm a certified financial planner, that also happens to be an ordained pastor. I find so many families in our churches make the mistake of doing their giving to charities out of their bank checking account. Yep. And it's not the tax wise way to do it. Um, what they should be doing is if they have appreciated assets, they should be giving those into a giving fund so that they don't ever have to pay capital gains tax. Or if they uh, maybe are a family that they don't get to itemize on their taxes because they don't have enough deductions every other year, we call it a bunching strategy. They put the money in a giving fund. They give it out to their church over two years. And that way, every other year, they get the write-off. And I've helped so many families over the years now save, I mean, in the aggregate, it's millions of dollars of taxes. And I'm always trying to encourage them, hey, let's now give that more money to your church because that's more life change that's going to take place. So, and I, I, everything you're saying, I resonate with. For the for the young family that you just said a bunch of stuff and they're like, I don't even know what half those words are. Yeah. Like, where, where do you start? Well, because I, I know what he talked about is there's a lot of people worried about money because they don't have any. That's right. So the first step, I believe, for we have a stewardship staircase at our ministry. The first step for every family that we teach is you got to have an emergency fund. Like, And we, we start it with $2,000 is what we try to say. Is Every family needs to get that. And I, I have been to churches where I'll have a family come up and say, hey, I don't have that. And I say, here's your goal. I'll be back again next year. Or somebody on our ministry team will be, here's your goal. In the next year, I want you to get to that level. And it's been so fun for me doing this 26 years. I've had so many people, I wrote a book called The Quest, and I've had people go through the book, and that's one of the big things I teach. And they'll, I'll come back and they'll say, hey, I, I, they'll send me an email. I finally opened up the account. And I love hearing that because I know that's the first step to getting to a healthy yeah. place. Uh, so that's where they got to start. Obviously, getting debt under control, that's not really our focus of our ministry. Right. But that is obviously an area for families that they, they need to do is get to the point where they're living uh, below their means is right. the critical issue. Correct. So. And then you were talking about something before we went live that I want to, and it, it sounded so simple, um, it, you know, and it was, it was kind of this giving, yeah. giving, give wisely. Of, give wisely. Yeah. Right? So I'm going all across the country trying to once again, help families just to think about was we're coming into the end of the year. How can you give wisely pay uncle Sam less so you can give more money away to ministry? And so one is for anybody in your church that's over 70 and a half, they don't, I had talked to several Pantano yesterday that did not know about this. There's what's called a qualified charitable distribution. Basically, all it means is you call up whoever has your IRA, have them send the check directly to the church, and they never have to pay tax on that money. So think about it. They put all that money in over these years of working. They never paid tax on it. Now the IRS gives this, this special little loophole where they're able to actually have it go directly to the church and they don't pay tax on it again. Plus, if they're over age 73, it actually counts toward what's called a required minimum distribution where you have to take money out of your account. So that's a little thing. I had a dentist just recently. He was given $60,000 a year to his church. I told him about this, retired dentist, and now he's giving $80,000 because he's like, well, that's a no-brainer. Rather than IRS getting that money, I'm going to give it to my church. And I love stories like that. Oh, that's fantastic. Yep. Especially being that my dad's 80, I'm going to be like, you know, dad. There you go. So he's the first way people over 70 and a half should do their giving. And then the other way, a couple other ways I talked about just briefly was that friends don't let friends give cash unless that's all they have. If you own appreciated stock, 
that's not in a retirement account, that's sitting at a Schwab Fidelity, you should be giving those appreciated stock before you ever give out of your bank checking account. And the reason is, is that way you'll never have to pay tax on all the gains. Years ago, I bought a little company, you might've heard of them, called Apple. I did too. Yeah, mm. well, they went up like 12 times what I paid for them. It would be silly for me to give to my church back in Orlando out of my checking account. The wise thing for me to do is to take my Apple shares, put them in my giving fund, I get the maximum tax write-off, never have to pay capital gains tax, and now I can give more money away to my church. And then for those middle-income families, that bunching strategy I was talking about was the third one where they give a lump sum every two years into their giving fund, give it out to charities over two years, and at least that way every other year they're getting a tax deduction. So those are kind of the three big things that I'm out traveling the country helping people save money on taxes. So what I heard is, is Darren just joined Pantano. And, uh, hey man, I heard that too. That's, that's what I heard. I mean, if I'll we're going to, hey, if I lived in Tucson, a, I would, I'll send him a request. To send hey, I, I just want to point out, uh, Roger doesn't live in Orlando, but he's on your board. There you go. Uh, I mean, I, and we, now that we're digital, I mean, that's right. you, you can, could start a Pantano. You can attend from anywhere. Pantano Anywhere Campus in Orlando. Sounds like a great spot to me. I mean, I might have to come down for each in your living room from time to time. I don't know. I mean, right. I'd be willing for 0% interest. I would do just about <laughs> that, just about it. anything. It would do it. We'd do it. Um, Even 1%. I mean, hey, we'll well, I, I do have to brag on your church once again. Best breakfast. I speak 40 weekends a year in churches, over 1,000 weekends I've done. Best breakfast anywhere in the country, Pantano Christian Church. And I would love to say you're the first I've heard that from, but everybody that comes to visit us, um, it's hey, you want to talk about financially wise decision. If you're going to eat out on Sunday, yeah, you come to Pantano. It's the best four bucks you'll spend all week. It's amazing. I can't not believe it. You you can feed a family of four for sixteen dollars in our cafe, and you're going to get breakfast to take home. You'll have so, enough. So Joe, who doesn't come to Pantano, is here every Sunday morning having breakfast. Then he goes to his church. That's hilarious. Wow. Hey Joe, what are you doing? Stay here. You don't have to go anywhere. We we do church right on the other side of the wall where you eat. You should hang out. Um, I, I would agree. Like it. It's one of those things as we've talked about a strategy of what to do with our campus moving forward. Um, it's one of the things I'm not willing to compromise because the community aspect that takes place is crazy. I was going to tell you, Trevor, I'm being in all these churches. Like I go to some churches, it's a very institutional feel. People, they're in, they're out, they serve their time. Basically, it was so different this weekend at Pantano. All the conversations that I got to witness, only God knows all the impact you guys are having through those connections. Yeah. So just such wise strategic stewardship thinking by your church. I'm so glad you're spending the investment in that. Well, and it, it's it's one of those, we hear stories all the time out of cafe. Like I sat down breakfast, I didn't know you and I didn't know you. And all of a sudden we're in a conversation and now they're getting baptized and now they're, and it's just like, do we need the parking and do we need to move people off our campus? Probably. Um, and we're going to need it again. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, by the way, if you could magically make a parking lot appear somewhere, that would be fantastic. No, the, no, he's not God. We ask God for that. He meets our needs. Well, he knows Jesus. He can talk to him too <laughs> on our behalf. He can ask. Um, he can ask. Um, but I, I'm I'm just not willing to give up that community space. And here's what's great. Like You know Drew Sherman. Drew was here. Um, Drew's, uh, you know, I worked for Drew for a decade. Drew was like, don't ever get rid of this. He goes, I wish I could pull this off. Exactly. And Cal Jernigan, I was just at Central this last weekend preaching up there. And um, after Cal was here, he goes, I wish we could do this but I have to replicate this at five campuses. It's the biggest takeaway that I have because I, I have some churches, they have the capacity to do it and I'm right. going to really, so we have several churches, you know, they have relationships with Chick-fil-A or things like that and they'll they'll try to drive an attendance on Thursday night or Saturday or Sunday or Monday night by giving away free Chick-fil-A and that works really well. But you guys, what you're doing on Sunday morning, it, 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 it's amazing. Well, so. and the other thing, if you noticed, and again, this becomes a financial piece for us, I'm talking about, because it all ties in for me. 
Um, but a couple of months ago, we were selling our own coffee out here in the courtyard and it was fine and there was lines and we had to upkeep all the stuff. Well, a lady in our church has a food truck, a, f- a coffee truck. And she was like, I was like, would you be interested in on a Sunday morning, just putting your truck in our courtyard? And she was like, I'll give proceeds back. I was like, don't care. I'm like, that's awesome, but don't care because now she, she in her mind, her immediate thought was generosity. That's right. If you're mm-hmm. going to give me this kind of exposure and it's thousands of people, exactly. then then yes, I will give some back. And then we, we started having food trucks come in for after lunch when we added our 1230 service. And man, there was like, after the first week, they got, the first guy was like, I don't want anybody else to know this. And we're like, well, we're going to talk to some other people. And, um, but they've understood now that that's an investment for them. And they're actually giving back to the church as a result of that too. Um, which again, just becomes, how do we figure out how to, if I can instill kingdom business inside businesses in our community, and they understand charitable give back, like they could actually deduct that from business. That's right. And so look at me helping you in your world a little bit, you know. Exactly. You know, it's great. Um, so Roger, you're you're on the board and I, I know what it means for us, for what we're teaching and what we're saying, what we're doing. Um, as you look at our people, you've got, a, you've got a different heartbeat than you've got because you're not here every day. We are. Um, as you hear him talk about these things, what, what are some of the things you would lean in with our people? Because I know you're doing legacy gifts. Absolutely. So uh, unpack that a little bit, because I think that's important. Um, that I think that's another thing people miss in the non-for-profit world and church world, especially. Well, it's one of the, another way that it touches on generosity. Um, I love what FPM stands for, because it's like give and be generous in the life after you leave it as you are now. Yep. And legacy gifting is all about that. It's saying, hey, I, I want to provide for my kids and my grandkids and, and pass that along. But I also want to provide for the kingdom. And setting that up so it doesn't go to probate and taxes and lawyers and it cause fights in your family, but setting that up ahead of time is a beautiful thing. It's so productive. And you guys have a great relationship with our partner, Financial Planning Ministry. Yep. Everybody can get it done at no cost. It's incredible. Uh, I, I share this with people all the time. I have four kids. So far, I haven't disinherited any of my four kids. They're each getting 20% of my estate. The other 20% I used to have in my estate plan just going to different charities. Well, I would always change it and had to go amend it. Well, now what I do is I put that last 20% into my family giving fund at CFR, and my four kids then have an approved list of charities, my church, uh, other charities, and then they get to decide one day when my wife and I pass away what dollar amount is going to go to what charity. And so it's going to keep that culture of generosity going to the next generation because that's a big issue as we look to these future generations. We've got to train them up and get them part of generosity. Yeah. And so I, I hear uh, on our end, the legacy piece, you know, and I, I've got a friend back in Ohio who big Notre Dame fan, which I'm like, well, we need to help you find Jesus um, for a whole bunch of different reasons. Cause Notre Dame football, uh, whoever, Hey, by the way, whoever brokered that deal for TV financially, you want to no talk kid. about a financial genius? Yeah. They, we should hire them for the PAC 12. Gosh, or too late, but well, fire the pack 12, man. Just start something brand <laughs> Welcome new. Welcome to the big 12. Um, <laughs> whatever that is, the big 24. Um, but I, I had this friend who his whole goal was I want to I want to have enough money so they'll name a building after me at Notre Dame. So talk talk to me about if people want their names on buildings of institutions versus giving to the kingdom. What's the difference? Well, I think the the first thing is obviously in Scripture we're taught to you know we don't need to know what the what the right hand and the left hand are doing. You know, that's, that's a, and it's a common problem in the secular world. Everybody wants their name on things. But the reality is if we're going back to what Roger talked about, it's about the kingdom. It's not about my kingdom. It's about the master's kingdom. And so we don't need to get credit because ultimately we want to get our credit in heaven is what we're looking for that. Cause that's the reward that, that we really want to get. 
And so I, I think focusing on the here and now, well, you're, you're taking, you're getting your reward now instead of getting that reward, you know, a thousand years from now. So that's a good statement. I mean, you can get it now and burn for a while, or you can get it later and enjoy the benefits of it. Yeah. And good. it's one of those great returns you get. By the way, I'm not saying return. you go to hell if you give to an institution. I'm just saying it's a pretty hellacious place to give your money. And going back to what you were saying about being prepared in all these different ways and learning to be generous and setting up your plans every day so that you can be generous. You know, we can pay interest to the banks, to our credit card companies, or we can pay interest and get interest and then pay that and give that to the kingdom to see God do amazing things. And that's how God uses us to fund ministry that we don't even know is going on. Exactly. If we're paying attention and listening to where he's calling us to be. Well, and I'm talking about it this weekend that, you know, as we're finishing this series, um, the the statement of, I don't have enough to be generous. And Luke 21, the woman comes in, you know, all the rich people are throwing their coins in, and it makes a lot of noise. And she's got, actually, that mite is actually the shaving of the, it's not even a full coin. It's like a, it's a 64th of a day's wage, and they actually would have taken a, like a sliver off the coin. That would have been the what she threw in. And, but I like the whole mentality of it's not equal gift, it's equal sacrifice. That's right. Um, and I know a lot of people that have a whole lot that it's it's not a sacrifice for them to give a thousand bucks. Yeah. I've consulted on hundreds of campaigns in my ministry over the years. And that's one of the challenges I always, when I'm speaking to leadership dinner, I said, I, I want you to think about what if every family sacrificed how you're going to sacrifice what God would do. Right. And I've had several people to tell me that, wow, that. That, that that changes the way I think because for some people, it's not much of a sacrifice. Right. And so it wouldn't mean a lot, but other people, it is. Well, it's like our $10 challenge we're doing right now. And I, I don't know if Roger's told you about this, but we're doing, like, I was like, I don't want to put a thermometer on stage. We're not in a campaign, but I do want to get this debt gone. Uh, and I just did some basic math. I'm not, you know, I'm not real smart, but I ain't real dumb either. I can do basic math. And I knew that if roughly 6,000 people that call this place home uh, were to give an extra $10 a week. If you give nothing, give 10. Mm-hmm. If you give 10,000, give $10,000 and 10. If everybody were to commit, we're going to do that. That's almost three and a half million dollars a year extra. We bring in $60,000 a week, almost doubles our budget per week. Um, and, and it gives us the opportunity a year and a half to pay off our debt. That's awesome. And I'm like 10 bucks and I don't have to come to you and go, now I know you have the capacity to give half a million. You have the capacity to give 10 bucks. I can just go, Hey, if you can give 10 and it doesn't hurt, give more. That's right. If, if 10 bucks to you is a thousand bucks, then give a thousand bucks. Um, again, it's not equal gift, it's equal sacrifice, but there is a, there's a pinch point where we all go, ah, that's uncomfortable. If it's uncomfortable, that's probably the God place to give. That's right. It, you know, and so I, uh, from a giving standpoint, let, lean into that a little bit, Darren, from that, from a giving standpoint, like I, yes, invest and yes, do all this, but just a sheer biblical principle of giving for the person that says, I just don't have enough right now to be able to do that. Where where do you start them? So I think the first thing is I challenge everybody to give something. I I do not get caught up and I don't know where you're at, Trevor, on this. I'm not caught up that that we fall under legalism, that it has to be a tithe, although I think that tithe is a good place. And and if we look back over time, you know, the reality is in biblical times, um, they probably weren't as wealthy as we are today. So I challenge a lot of families to be actually be giving 20%. But I think the starting point, and this is, it's always so tough because I always talk to pastors when you have people walk into your church, most churches, they're amazing at inviting people. They're amazing at the parking lot, the whole experience to connect people. But what they're not great at is taking this person that's almost like an alien from another planet to actually becoming a generous giver. 
it, it's such a foreign concept. And we need to think about, we need to make it easy for those people. And we need to help them to be able to see how their gifts make a difference. And, and what I love is you guys are great about telling the story of the life change here at Pantano, because there's a ton of life change that's taking place here. But my challenge, if you're one of those families and you're not a giver, the first step is begin to give something. So I love your on-ramp right now of $10. That's something where I had a church I just spoke at. I had somebody come up in a wheelchair, and she lives on disability. And she said, man, I, I just want to be able to do something. And she says, but I, I don't have much. And she, I said, well, I said, do you go out to eat? And she said, well, you know, about a couple times a month. She said, I said, what if one time a month you didn't do that? And she said, I like that because I'm giving up something for something I love more which is this church and Jesus. Yep. And so that's great. So I think that is the starting point. And it's it's incredible. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I worked in a little grocery store back in Kansas growing up. Got that first paycheck. It was $60. Yep. And for me, I had been taught tithing. So it was like, okay, the moment of truth is here. Am I going to give $6 back to my church? And it was like that defining moment in my life. And I go back to that. If I don't start that journey, I don't know when I ever start that journey. And right. so that's where we all need to see where we're at on the journey of generosity and let's start somewhere, and let's see what God does. Yeah, that's good. What are your thoughts on that, Raj? Well, I just was thinking about the uh, concept of more, right? If I don't start when it's small, when I get more, it hurts more. It's harder to get to that place of tithing, to give to the king, to admit I don't, I can't do it on my own. I need him. And it's, a, it's about relying on him and trusting him. And so giving is not what God needs. It's what I need. I need to give because I need to get back to that place. Like I use the illustration of the Israelites wandering around the desert and God providing every day. Jesus taught us to pray that way. Meet my needs today, my daily needs, instead of banking all this and getting it all to get more, 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 because it's never enough. You start playing that game. How much do I need to retire? More. Yeah, if you read more, all the studies in the Wall Street more. Journal every year, it's a higher number there yeah. to feel comfortable. Yeah, I, mean, I, I got to get more. The gotta last number more. I saw, I think yesterday, was $1.3 million is you got to have now to, to feel comfortable. That number just keeps climbing every single well, year. It's, it's manna mentality. Um, we don't live in a manna mentality. We live in a buffet mentality. Exactly. We, like, we want as much as we can see to eat financially. Well, we eat that way too. We, well, we do everything that way. Everything's yeah. in excess. Um, it, you know, so why, if we're going to live in excess, we have to have enough money for our excess. Um, and I'm watching my mom and dad, my dad's 80, my mom's almost 78 and, um, they've never lived out of their means. And my dad doesn't require a lot. He's like, I want to play golf a couple times a week and I want to fish. My mom wants to get her hair done and that's it. And so they, you know, of course my mom's so funny. Cause she's like, she goes, oh, I just, I don't, we're going to outlive our money. And I'm looking at all their accounts. I'm like, if you outlive your money, you're going to be 180. Like <laughs> right. you're, you're fine. But in her mind, like there's a more, I need uh, the, more. the world is, you know, and I'm like, they've got now everything. They, they've been really smart too. They've put everything in my name. Ah. So now the estate is in my name. Now they're paying the little bit of taxes, but their house is paid for. We've got 112 acres of woods, timberland in Maryland. And uh, my dad was like, we'll pay all the tax and everything. He goes, but this is, I think this is another financial decision. That's My dad's got a great financial mind and a great financial planner. Um, but he was like, if you actually put this in your son's name, you know, and, and I'm it. I don't have brothers and sisters. Thank God. Like I, I used to want them. Now that I'm this age, I'm watching people when their parents start to leave this world. I'm like, oh, I'm the only one that has to make a decision. This is easy. I told my dad, I was like, I decide what home you go into, so be nice, you know, and, um, <laughs> and, and if you go before mom, I'm going to decide what we do with her, so you better be real nice, and, and but in joking aside, I like the fact that my dad's like, okay, we're going to set up so we, we get the best tax benefit in our aging, and, and eventually I'm going to get that benefit because of what they're leaving, 
And if they, I hope they spend the last dime that they made the day they die. That would be fantastic because I'm not waiting for someone to I die. I hope they give away a lot of it too, though. To that, make stories. They do. That's they, great. they give yeah. tons of it away. That's great. Um, and, and that's been the, what they've shown me. And that's what they've shown everybody around them is that they're just generous people. Um, but I told my dad, I was like, I hope you give the last dime away the day you die. And he was like, well, I want some left for you. I'm like, I'm not sitting around waiting for someone to die so I can make money. That's, right. that's not my goal. Um, you talk, like I've never borrowed a dime from my family ever. And the one time they gave me money, I was able to turn around and give it right back the same day because God worked out some crazy God math that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, and, back to and my dad was like, I'll just keep it. I'm like, nope. I was like, cause there may be a day where I actually need it and I'm going to call you. But so far in 45 years of life, I've not had to do that. And uh, hopefully I don't have to. I mean, you know, we live in a crazy world right now. I mean, uh, let, me, let me finish up with this. Like, and I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but the, the world right now, there's like, we're on the, on the brink of almost a government shutdown again. I feel like that's every like nine months we're talking about the government's going to shut down. But by, by the way, why don't financial planners go into the government and go, hey, there's a really easy way to do this. Um, if you don't spend, you have. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's a novel. It's, they're not politicians. That's no, why that's, they don't. That's right. Well, but as we're on like all this kind of doom and gloom in the world right now, what, what would you say the number one thing you would tell anybody right now financially, especially Christians that are, because it's mostly Christian audience that's going to hear this. Um, but what would you tell the average Christ follower? Like, Hey, you may have a little, you may have a lot, you may have nothing. Um, and you're looking around the world going, I better hold on to all this because this thing's about to implode. Yeah, well, if we go back through history, we see there's always turmoil in history, and that's where we have got to be willing to trust in God. And I will tell you, like, if you had to list what's my biggest sin, it's worry. I'm a planner. Like, I want to plan everything potentially out. Roger's on my board. He knows how, how true that is. I want to have a plan put in place, but ultimately, we've got to trust in God. And, and as Roger said in his message yesterday, it's like, we got to repent of that sin. And it's, it's, I've had this, I've had to claim that that's my biggest challenge. And so I, I recognize that. And so let's all just say, Hey, I'm going to trust in God and focus on, he's going to be taking care of me. Which, which well. sounds really like, if you just hear that, you're like, well, that sounds great. Trust in God. That's easy. Um, we're not saying it's easy, no but if you don't start there, you're going to live in a perpetual state of fear. That's right. Because you can always, listen, I, I'm the master of it. I can always think worst case catastrophic situation. You give me anything but you know the reality is the catastrophic situation rarely ever materializes. Right. Well, and that like that's my wife and I. She she is the she's a nurse. So if anything medically pops up, we're all dying. Like I mean, it's just uh, it, if it's the her, she, and if it's her, she's definitely dying. Um, where I'm over here, like I don't know. I mean, if it swells a little more, I guess I'll go to the doctor. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> like, and maybe that's a toss up. I'm like, ah, God will take care of this. And uh, not that she's not she's more faithful at a lot of things in life than I am, but. Um, I, I think that's, that's a good compliment in our, cause I'm not, well, Roger knows this. I'm a, I am a planner when it comes to strategy and things like that, but I'm not a worrier. Like I just don't, I don't worry about like when COVID hit, like whenever all the churches around us were like freaking out, I was like, go time, let's roll opportunity. Here we go. Let's try it. Now's the time to experiment in the church. Cause uh, every church is a church plant. Every church is level playing ground. Every church is now online. Every church is, this is the time to see what might work in the kingdom that we've all been scared to do. 
Um, the same thing for me in this, in this era, you know, churches actually right now his like in this point in history are growing like they've never grown before in our country. Uh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm speaking at a different church every week and every church tells me their year over year attendance is up. It's it, crazy. Momentum is so strong for church attendance. Yeah. Right now. I mean, it's, it's very rare. I, I talk to anybody that they're flat, um, and giving is on the same trend. Yeah. Yeah. Like, giving's going up too. Everything's going up. And yet, um, I just don't, somebody said to me the other day, they're like, are you worried about another pandemic or another shutdown? I'm like, no. If I sit around and worry about all that, like I'll never do what we're supposed to do right now. Exactly. And if it happens, it happens. There's nothing I can do to stop it. Um, but there's something I can do about it when it gets here. And I think that's the same thing financially. There's nothing you can do to stop a bubble. The bubbles are, they're getting bigger right now. There's going to be a housing market bubble that's going to burst in the next year. Just be diversified. That's the key thing. Well, you look at, like, I just think here, like all the builders in Tucson, like when we were moving here, we kind of got really fortunate. God put us in in a bubble. Like we sold our house for stupid in Ohio. Like I I still can't believe we sold our house for what we sold it for, but we were in it for 10 years. Um, And then we came here just as prices were starting to do this and interest rates were going up. So we were like, we got caught in this kind of vacuum of goodness. Um, and literally a month later, rates went to like 7%. So God may have had a plan. God may have been working something out. Um, but again, I'm like, in the middle of that, I'm like, I'm watching builders. that I live out in Vail, and man, they were building thousands of rooftops because the housing market is awesome. Build as much as you can. We're going to sell it all. We're going to make millions of dollars, billions of dollars. Well, guess how many houses are sitting empty out there right now? seven and a half percent interest rates and people aren't buying houses at seven and a half percent and they're losing their shirts out there. And, um, but it'll come back. It'll come back and rates will go to 3%. They'll go to two and a half percent. Um, my, my dad in the property appraisal business still remembers when rates were like 14 and yeah, 15%. Right. He Early eighties. Like, he was right. like seven and a half percent is nothing. I'm like, it is when you were at two and a half percent. Um, that's, that's the difference in the house you can live in and a house you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think the doom and gloom piece, there's always going to be doom and gloom that's going to be painted And your answer of actually trusting what God said he's going to do. And historically, if you read scripture and you see what's happened in history, nine and a half times out of 10, it's not catastrophic. Unless you make it catastrophic. Mm. Um, what would you speak into that, Raj? Well, I'd go back to what you said about your parents. You described your parents as generous people. I said, I don't think that's something you just get born with. Just no. like you don't become a warrior, God doesn't give you a label when you're born. It, your identity is a child of God. My identity right. is a child of God. We're valuable to God. We are his children. What we learn along the way is wisdom. What we learn along the way is how to have peace how to how to be generous, how to be kingdom-minded people. Or we learn to be selfish. And worry is selfish because it's misplacing all of our emotional energy. And being at peace is godly, and it's about faith. And I love the question that Jesus asks. is says, where is your faith? When he's talking to his disciples who are worried and just being human and looking at the situations for what it is instead of looking to the leader and looking to the Savior, he looks at him and says, Where's your faith? Why do you have such yeah. little faith? My dad gave a great illustration. He farmed in Montana the first eight years of my life for my grandfather. And he always talked about, you know, what you cultivate usually is what grows. And he goes, when you throw enough seed down, eventually it's going to grow. So if you put wheat in the ground, you're probably going to get wheat. You put corn in the ground, you're usually going to get more corn. You put beans in the ground, you're usually going to get more beans. He's like, you got to pull weeds and you got to spray stuff. And But he goes, usually what you cultivate, you know, within the math of what's going to be there, Um, and so when it came to giving, my dad was like, what you cultivate with generosity is usually what will grow. Um, he's like, so if you, if you want to be known as a generous person, you got to cultivate generosity. 
And it, it started with me with my dad sitting down with my first paycheck and going, all right, here's how much you give to the church. Here's how much you give to savings. Here's how much you keep. Um, and I, I just think what we cultivate is what grows. If you cultivate generosity, then that grows. If you cultivate selfishness, it grows. And everybody around you knows it except you usually, which is even crazier. Um, so let me take you to the question we ask every guest that we have. Um, you're, even though this is your first time on, you're not a guest. You're from here. You, you live here. Uh, you're, you're on our staff. Um, I'll probably ask you too, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Darren right, first. Ask Darren. Um, so if you could leave our listeners and it doesn't have to be financial it, it, with any piece of wisdom today that you go, Hey, if I could tell anybody just this one thing, mm-hmm. what is the one thing that you would want people to, to leave? I think the one thing is because so many people in our churches don't know about it would be to look at giving funds to do their charitable giving because it's a, it's a game changer for your estate planning. It's a game changer for taxes and and just every Sunday I get a stack of cards from people. I've never heard about that before. So whether you do it through CFR or through somebody else, I would strongly encourage every family to look at that because it really can change your financial picture. It's changed legacy. It, exactly. And you're, and only God knows the stories you're going to write as yeah. you become more generous. And I love helping people more generous. So that's, that's my parting thought. I would say I would okay. leave with everyone. All right, Roger, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you close this thing down with the one thing you would tell all of our listeners. If you had one opportunity to give them one thing, what would you give them? You are loved, you're valuable, and God invites you into a relationship with him. Wow. You guys you guys hit it on all angles, finances, value, go. love of God. Hey, Darren, thanks for being with us, man. So glad you're on here. Roger, thanks for the message yesterday. Um, hey, do us a favor. If you would, if you like this podcast, um, go review it, go share it, uh, go help other people find it. Uh, every time you review this or like it, it gets thrown out there for more people to hear it. If you don't like it, don't do any of those things. Just uh, stop listening to us, all right? Uh, but we're so thankful you listened today. We'll see you next time on The Make. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of The Make Podcast, where we're moving from Sunday takers to everyday makers. To learn more, head over to pantano.church slash the make. We can't wait to see you again next week.